That was incredible. That was challenging. That was from God. But discern this from it. It was a transformation of a life. Now get that. Just get that. If you don't even breathe another word in here, get the whole secret of the explosion. It was a transformation of a life. And that's all we need to happen within these walls today is a transformation of a life. Follow me. We can destroy the enemy as she read in Jeremiah 1 and 10. God has given us power over the nations. He has given us the heathen for our inheritance. But the first thing we've got to do is what? Say root out. Pluck out. Dig up. Transform. Filibuster. And then we can build. And then we can plant. And then we can sow. And then we can reap. But there's got to be a digging out, and that's what's happening. And a vision is gripping you. But if it dies here today, it's useless. That was a transformation spoke to you in sincerity and in truth. And therefore, because you're sincere and wanting from God, you received it. Then we had an explosion. Now follow me and get it. Every city has got to have a transformer. Every city, every city, every city needs an electrified church. A New Testament church with extraordinary praying, extraordinary love for souls. And Brother Mangan stood years ago, knelt on his knees in front of our church and told the North to give up and told the South to give up and said, I'm claiming this whole area. This will be the biggest church in this area. God would have it so. God will dig out and then we'll plant and we'll water and God will give us the increase. And every city needs that and you can be a transformer. You may be seated. I want to thank you for your hunger. I want to thank you, Sister Bennett, again for that beautiful transformation that's happened in your life and it's happening in the Wisconsin district. And this will bring a sovereign move, Brother uh, Grant. This will bring a sovereign move of God. Anytime anything is done, extraordinary. But most of us have inherited our religion. How many of you were born in Pentecost? Let me see your hands. All over the building, let's see your hands. That's not as many as I thought, but you were born into it. Uh, when we went to Alexandria some 41 going on 42 years ago, had there not been a transformation in my life, a child receiving the Holy Ghost, five, almost six years of age, growing up in Pentecost, learning the mechanics, doing the genoflex, going through the calisthenics, and performing smiling when we know to smile, doing just what everybody else is doing. Had I not had a transformation, I could not have stood shoulder to shoulder with my great husband and gone into a harvest where they told us, you will never build anything there first place. The church has never done anything. 41 years ago, the city, the Catholic domicile, 
is there. And we had to even get on the radio. We had to, uh, they had to audition my singing. He had to write out his sermons and it had to be presented because they would not allow anything, only what they approved to be preached over the radio. And yet, with prayer and with fasting and extraordinary, it's extraordinary. Because I'm going to tell you about a few of those things because you've had the explosion. You've got to get a hold of some mechanics. You've got to get a hold of some mechanics after you hear and feel a burden and after you look at a transformed life. Then I want to tell you when it happened to me. And I have no notes altogether on that. So if you will just help me and say, remind me of this. But when we go to this city and this city is not ready for us, we have to first bind the prince. They bind the prince of that city with extraordinary. My husband in school in St. Paul almost 50 years ago uh, went into a, uh, a fasting that was uh, seven days every year and uh, four times a week. And he and I at our age still fast. I, I'm not telling you that for any glory of the human because if I ever wanted that, it's over because I'm, I'm fast uh, th this decade will I've, I've got to give him my best the distilled essence of my life must come forth now in this next decade so I, you know I'm not after that but for three days a week Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays we have continued to fast the first of the year is always a seven day fast Brother Anthony, Sister Mickey and the four of us two or three men in our church and we've done ours at the beginning of the year Two or three men in our church have just come off of seven-day fast, and that is a total fast. And God honors any kind of a fast. Any kind of a fast, God honors. But I'm telling you, it's got to be a consistent, persistent thing. Uh, the church in Alexandria didn't just happen overnight, and it will not continue only we wouldn't even be where we are if God hadn't brought Brother Anthony and Sister Mickey home from Plano where a church was exploding and they'd built a brand new church on the same style and pattern that they built in Alexandria. But we did have a great foundation from which they could launch. And you've got to have a foundation in every city and it begins with extraordinary prayer and extraordinary fasting. So God spoke to him. These things cometh not but by prayer and by fasting. And he set into motion and became regimented to that. So uh, I had inherited my religion. I wouldn't have been ready to join him. And he saw that. Can you imagine that for five years I never testified? Not in his revivals. I pulled my accordion and sang to the top of my voice and smiled at everybody and loved everybody. And, uh, but praying in the altar, you know, I'd done my thing. You've got to realize a transformation has got to happen to you in this meeting or somewhere. Or you will never transform anybody else. And you cannot, until you become a disciple, you cannot disciple others because you have no impartation. Your hands do not have anything to give unless you've got the dynamo, the transformer down here on the inside. You don't have anything to give, but every hand in here has got dynamite in it if you realize what's in here. There's so much I'd love to tell you. Just even the year that the conference was in New Orleans, two years ago, a year, a year or so ago, they sent me home for the weekend because all of the uh, staff was down there, every minister. I come home to a packed house. I'm speaking as best I can with the anointing on me. I've got to go back to all this, but I just want to show you what you can do. 
And then the Lord, uh, here comes a girl with her father bringing her. We need prayer. And I don't have a minister there to anoint them. I was 63 years old then. I'd never, I'd never anointed anybody in my life. And the Lord spoke to me and says, now this is your initial time. And I always do special things anytime I initiate anything. And I'm going to initiate this in your life today. I boldly grabbed that bottle of oil. I'd never done it before in my life. I anointed her. When I anointed her, another girl came up and said, I saw something happen in this life. I want this. And another one came up. I said, everybody that wants this to happen to them, you come up here and I'm going to touch you with this oil and your hands are going to be anointed. We're going into the hospitals. We're going into every area of this city. We're going into the nursing homes. We've neglected the old people. We've neglected the young people. We've neglected the shut-ins. We're going where everybody is with this anointing. Here they came with me reaching out there anointing them. A woman sat there that is so unmoved and unemotional. She sat there and she began to weep. And she said she saw one big angel standing here and one standing there. And every time I reached forward, they reached forward with me. I said, now that may never happen again. But that is, that is the initiation, me recognizing that my hands have healing in them. So when we went to Alexandria, now let me go back. And I, I thought I'd tell you that to tell you, say, I've got it too. Oh, no, you don't. No, you don't. I'm not even going to let you say that again because you didn't say it like you should have said it. You've got to get a transformation to where you'd say, I've got it. Did you see this girl? I promise you probably 10 years ago, she would have stood here and probably talked like this. Now that she's got a transformation, you've got to get this. You've got to get this. You've got to have that. Now, had this not happened to me that I'm fixing to tell you about. Brother Mangan told me all those evangelistic years, and we evangelized for nine years before we went to Alexandria. Everywhere, anywhere. And Brother Mangan in those days was such a dedicated man of prayer and fasting to the Word till I saw him at 8 in the morning and not until 5 in the evening. And I was in the home with the pastor's wife doing whatever needed to be done, but I hadn't joined forces with him yet. I went five years and I didn't even testify. I was so proud that I was afraid I wouldn't articulate it correctly and that I would get my English all messed up and I didn't want to be laughed at and made fun of and I thought until I can say it just right, I just won't say anything. I'll just sing and play this accordion because I can do that pretty good. And Brother Mangan looked at me and said, you've inherited your religion. You will never do nothing for God until you break out of yourself and, uh, and, and unleash what's on the inside of you. And it's got you incarcerated. All of your little ideas and all of this has got you all bound up. And you're just a little bound up somebody that's just singing a little song. Until you join me in prayer and in fasting. And together we will go into the harvest. You're, you're never going to amount to anything. I said, yeah. I've been raised by the... I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on. Because my voice is hoarse. I've been reared by a great man and woman. You are talking to me like that, that I don't have. No, you're not going to do anything until you get a transformation in your life. I went on like that for probably five years. Brother Barnes had us one time and took us up an offering to get us there. Took us up an offering to get us out of town. And to get us out of town, they had to, they had to take up an offering for the pastor's wife. I, I was going to tell you, in those days, Brother Mangan, with his dedication and prayer and fasting when there was just a little two or three every once in a while getting the Holy Ghost. He was having hundred soul revivals 
Went to Gary, Indiana for 10 nights. Stayed 10 weeks, baptized over 100 when it was 10 below zero and the, and the place was packed every night and many ministers came out of that. Went to Brother Rouse uh, and upward 100 got the Holy Ghost and got baptized and it was just in the days when it wasn't happening. And my transformation had not come altogether. They would call on me to testify. And one time when Brother Barnes said, I want her to testify to thank you for the offering. I get up there scared to death and I say, when you permitted it to me. And I turned around to Gerald and I said, that's not right. I was so scared I called, presented it to me, permitted it to me. And I looked around for him to help me and he wouldn't even help me. Because he wanted me to get embarrassed. He wanted me to get ashamed of myself. So then when it happened to me in Lake Charles, Louisiana... We were preaching there for brother, uh, the late brother, uh, uh, I, I can't think of his name. That's not important. I was a young bride of that fiery evangelist. He loved souls more than me, life, or anything else. Prayer, fasting, worship was his way of life. Totally committed, turning this country upside down. Challenged my easygoing, traditional Pentecostal life. I've inherited my religion You've got to let something happen on the inside of you. You get that, though, by hanging around these kind of meetings. You get that by hanging around people that's got it. If they've been transformed, you get that by listening to people that was once where, where I was, and now I'm changed. So one night about midnight, and I've never been the same, and then I'm going to go in to tell you a few things about Alexandria. One night about midnight, I woke him up convulsing with weeping and crying. And he got a hold of me and said, what in the world's the matter? I said, that hour a day I've been praying and that one or two days a week that I've been fasting, there's something that's been bottled up in me that has just broken out. And I said, don't get scared. It was the days that a woman, whatever. I said, don't get afraid. I'm not being called to preach. But I said, you won't ever have any trouble out of me anymore, Gerald. I said, in fact, you may wish that I would stick with my accordion and singing because something... <laughs> I've got it. Say, I'm getting it. Say, I'm being transformed. God will never turn a desire down. You say, well, we may need wisdom. Well, let's get the fire before we get all of this other. You may be seated. Then we came to Alexandria. 35 voted on us. We were in an old parsonage behind that little old church that was up on stilts. There wasn't, even a, there wasn't even a name of the church on it. Had gates down at the bottom where you unlocked to go in, and then you went up a stairway. And uh, we were in the parsonage behind with 15 feet ceiling, so help me, and the paper hanging. And every time the, it rained, we had to move the bed around. And Brother Anthony was four or five months old. And uh, ragged old paper, old bare plank floors, didn't matter to me. I put my head on that floor. And for days I didn't eat. And I said, I'm not. God, I did not. I told you when I was a girl I didn't want to marry a preacher or a farmer. Because my dad was a preacher. And my daddy farmed to make a living to get, buy gas for us to go into the river bottoms. And preach the gospel and, and pray for the sick. And East Texas is dotted with churches 
that were brought in. I said, now, this is too rough a life for an easygoing little girl like me. I don't want preaching, and I don't want farming. I'd lie down on my cotton sack and say, God, just don't let me marry a preacher or a farmer. I got there to that parsonage, and I said, God, I told you when I was a child I didn't want this. And now, as an evangelist wife, I could sing and not open my mouth. Something happened to me in Lake Charles, and I said, now I'm going to tell you what you've got. You've got somebody that's offering themselves to you that's been transformed. I've offered myself, now you do the rest. And for days and nights, I did neither eat nor drink. I put my face on the floor. I stayed there. I said, Sister A.T. Morgan has been the Sunday school teacher here, and I've never taught a Sunday school class. You either qualify me or I'll just sit on the pew, and my husband will have to handle all of this by himself. But my heart was longing for God again. Inadequate, following all of these great ladies and leaders that pastored that church. But God touched my lips that day with a coal of fire and spoke to me and said, You will learn well the real meaning of leadership here, the real secret of church growth, and the winning of lost souls. I will weed out of your life every immature, prefabricated notion one by one I'll give you a new perspective, piece by painful piece. And by my hand, through a man of my choosing, by whose side you will stand shoulder to shoulder in a unified purpose, I, the Lord, will lay the cornerstone of a great church in Alexandria. I will do something great through your life as you stand upon my promises. And that vision that God gave me that day became my anchor and made me bold. And I didn't fear when I was teaching the Sunday school class when even the superintendent sat in an audition uh, deal with me one day. I feared him not because I overpowered him by that anointing and that transformation that was on the inside of me. Though the buffeting came and the hurricanes came and the attacks of the enemy came, they came so frequently. But I had not bought myself any privileges there. And I did not take advantage of even that bonus for 10 years. But after 10 years, I'd bought myself some privileges. I began to assert myself a little more. And I began to take more authority in doing what God wanted me to do. I always loved people. I knew that Jesus didn't die for a cause. He died for people. And I loved people no matter how they looked, how they acted, where they'd been, or whatever. When he brought the ones from uh, out of the guttermost in there, God spoke to me and said, I'll see how you deal with these before I give you the uppermost. And he just kept bringing them in. And people just kept coming. One day, Brother Mangan, in prayer and fasting, seeking God for a strategy to accomplish our vision in Alexandria, started that 24-hour prayer in three-hour shifts that he and I had to double up because with 35 people, there were not enough to go around, and he and I would double up. Everybody praying no less than one hour a day, fasting no less than one day a week, and that still continues, and at least 400, 3 to 400 are fasting every day in Alexandria. Besides the 24-hour prayer and three-hour prayer shifts, the one-hour sheet that can be prayed anywhere, anytime, any place, driving down the road. And then, now this strategic, say strategic. strategic. Extraordinary praying, but say strategic praying. We're doing the tactical praying every day, but our strategy is to bring the whole kingdom of Satan down. So we're going to do strategical praying. Say strategical. We're doing the tactical work every day, but our strategy is to bring the whole city under subjection. 
So now we've got the maps of our city and of the states, and we've got books with the leaders, uh, national, state, uh, government-wise, and then the spiritual, national, state, and city-wise. And then we're going to have a Rolodex with all the families in it, and then we're going to lay these requests out that people just call from here. You can't do all of that. You've got to move on even in a service and let people be healed and blessed. So we put them back there in the prayer room. They're prayed over in the three-hour prayer shifts. Isn't that wonderful? Say, that's strategic praying. So we knocked on every door in the city, Brother May, and hung a map, a map up in, in, with that 35 people. We began covering that city. I would carry Brother Anthony on my hip, Claire Clark, that has reared her son to be the greatest Bible study leader in the church. We've just taught a Bible study to the most wealthy young man and his wife in that area. They've both been baptized in Jesus' name, and they want it red hot. They want it. His father was there. He, his father builds all the highways in, in Louisiana. And, uh, and, and uh, there he sat Sunday night, and we went out to eat together. And he said, I've never felt nothing like it. I've never seen nothing like it. But Brian and Renee now are attracting all of those in the circles where they moved and they're bringing their people in, Catholic woman there, and, the, and an attorney's wife from uh, Pineville just got the Holy Ghost, prayed her through in five minutes last Sunday, was a week ago. He's fighting her, but he came last Sunday night, and he's troubled now. He's affected. What is it? It says strategical praying. It's strategical praying. We're pulling everything. North is giving up. South is giving up. So that's every day. And we knocked on every door. And by virtue of knocking on doors, we began to bring people to the church, run Brother Mangan down, find him. This was years ago to baptize him in Jesus' name. They were getting the Holy Ghost so fast. We preached our own revivals. We'd announce from Sunday night to Sunday night uh, how long we would go. And everybody just kept coming and people just kept getting the Holy Ghost. The old families of the church now are they who came in during that time. And they became the launching pad from which we have launched every other program. But we just kept our strategic prayer going and our tactical praying going. And all of it, you see, most of us are just praying for me and mine and our little daily prayers and strategy prayers to bring the devil's kingdom down. A man got baptized Sunday night that his wife's been in there 10 years praying for him. He was the toughest nut to crack that ever was. He said he'd never walk in there, never be. But strategy praying brought him in, brought him down. You just don't give up. You just keep on. It is extraordinary. But that is how it was begun. And through that, they called on me some 30 years ago to speak there uh, where Brother Charles Glass was pastoring then. And uh, back in those days, the youth department and the home missions department was together because they had to do that to have, have a crowd. That's how far back it's been. They asked me to come and speak to just tell what was happening in Alexandria. When I began to tell all these experiences, how that I went into one home, she said, uh, I've been repenting. I don't know what to do since the last time you were here. And I said, fall down there by your coffee table. And she fell down there, repented, soaked the front of her dress. In a few minutes, she was filled with the Holy Ghost. And her husband came in that day. He was an officer at the base. And he said, my God, woman, she met him at the door, grabbed him and hugged him and kissed him. She, he said, what's the matter with you? She said, I just got the Holy Ghost. He said, you got what? said, yeah, I got, where'd you get it? Right over there. He said, you're lying. said, you've been to that church down there and you've met some good-looking man and I'm going and I'll know who he is when I get there. So Brother Mangan announced service for the next night. They come. He picks out Brother Mangan. Brother Mangan's at the back door shaking hands with him. He draws back to hit him and something stays his hand. And then before he gets home, he gets troubled, gets all stirred up. He gets the Holy Ghost. That was ever, that was ever week. That was all the time. It brought an excitement. It brought a revolution. 
It brought a transformation in everybody else that was there. It was like driving down Chester Street, Claire and I were going to knock on doors, driving down Chester Street, and the cars were all packed up there. And I said, Claire, we weren't even supposed to be on this street. I said, God's got our steps ordered. We didn't devise our ways. We're in the path of the Lord. Let's stop this car and get out and go see what we can do. We stopped the car, elbowed our way through the crowd. Pardon me, ma'am. Pardon me, sir. Get up there, and there's been a wreck, and a woman is there with a hole knocked in her head, and a priest is already there officiating. I said, please forgive me not to not to embarrass you or anything, but I've got something. There's something in these hands right here. I want to lay my hand on that woman and pray for her. I reached through there and prayed for her and the blood stopped. When the blood stopped so, that was so profusely uh, uh, spurting forth, uh, I looked at her family. I said, now take her to any hospital you want. Isn't that bold? Isn't that bold? And I said, take her to any, the little girl that for five years wouldn't testify. I said, now take her to any hospital. Take her to any hospital you wouldn't, you, you want to take her to, and I'm going to follow you. When I get there, I identify who I am, and I tell them, when your mom is healed, bring her to church. They brought her to church. She got the Holy Ghost. Six months later, died with cancer. God just stopped her, knocked a hole in her head. God healed that, brought her to church. She got the Holy Ghost, got baptized in Jesus' name, then he took her home to be with him. And I'm telling all of that in, uh, where was that? Where is that? Uh, where Brother Charles Glass used to pastor. I can't even think of it. Sherman. Sherman, Texas. And I'm telling all of that. And there is the superintendent of Brother Kilgore sitting there. And he comes up crying. And the ministers begin to uh, say, this is it. Da-da-da-da-da. Knocking on doors. And, and all of that. And so he comes up to me and he says, I'm backslid. He said, I'm going home to resign. I said, no, better than that. God's given you a plan here today. Goes home. Starts bus routes. Starts knocking on doors. And then he came up, say, with search for truth. Say it. Search for truth came out of a burden where somebody was just telling about going in their city, knocking on doors. I'm telling you that a burden was being born here today. There's no telling what will come out of this meeting that anybody that heard this transformation say, my life is going to be transformed. I've got healing in my hands. I'm not going to just inherit my religion. There's something going to open up on the inside of me. I'm going home changed. So we begin. We began recruiting leaders, got on the radio and paper and everything, and now that Brother Anthony and Sister Mickey are there and she has that Messiah that seats that place out and they've already sold out tickets for the for the Messiah that's coming up and it is something so awesome and the people that come there to see that come back to the services and that 3,000 seat auditorium is sold out for a, at least 10 nights and they're standing in line now waiting for this year when they get there they know they feel they see they understand and it's reaching out Brian and Renee the man that we just taught the Bible study to that Larry did uh, they've just come in now his daddy was there and there, they, there sat this attorney's wife there sat this uh, uh, that taught Michael her lessons and there she sat and she's a Catholic she just came and she said I'm going to pray with you all if I have to pray on my beads and we're starting a Bible study with her and she said after I go through that Bible study I already want the Holy Ghost but I don't want to be back and it was all because she saw credibility in Brian and Renee folks it just happens they drive by that church because we prayed Brother Anthony and Brother Mangan drove all around our properties 
and said, God, this is going to be a prayer zone. And let everybody that drives by here be, be attracted over this way. Let even the birds that fly over here, let them flutter differently. Let them feel that electricity. And now a discipleship class has been started, plus the orientation class on Sunday morning. A new discipleship class uh, has been begun. And uh, it's just that we are not imp- we're not embarked on a self-appointed mission. We've not sent ourselves. This is not our idea. We don't exercise any prerogative. It's not an optional matter. We've got to do it. He sent us. He came. He did it. He dined with publicans and sinners. He came through the back door. He called them one by one. Oh, yes, he did. Oh, yes, he did. Say, he did it. He quit living with the holy angels and was manifested in the flesh for what we're talking about. Say, that makes it very important. That makes it. It's not the main guns. Oh, no, it's not the grants. It's not the matters or anybody else. Say, this is God's business. And he set the tone of his, of his ministry here when he was 12 years of age. I must be about my... And so, at the early age, and he said, wish ye not that I must be about my... And nobody, nobody stopped him. That was the first thing on his agenda every day. He set his mind like a flint. Not one word was wasted. Not one action was wasted. He pursued it. And here we are, his people. And he said, I came not to be ministered unto. I came to minister. And he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Well, it's upon me. I'm rushing, folks, but I want to tell you that there needs to be this kind of a church right here like this this afternoon, say, in every city. What happened here just a few uh, minutes ago, say, ought to happen this weekend in every church. Reach out to everybody, love everybody, matters not what they look like, how they're dressed or nothing. Put your arms around them, love them, keep on singing and worshiping and praising God.